you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast at Locked On NFL Pods. It is your Monday podcast here on Locked On NFL, which means we are bringing you the biggest stories from our local angles with our local experts. And of course, our Monday episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. It is what we're calling, apparently we're calling it, Super Wild Card Weekend. I don't know if we're married to that name. Apparently, you can just take Wild Card and add Super, and that's what we're doing. Um, not not sure I'm thrilled with that name, but I, I guess that is what we're going to deal with as we head into the divisional round. And, man, it was fun. This, this format is not going anywhere. We had the extra divisional game. The, the two seeds had to play on Wild Card Weekend. That is, of course, new to this format. And although none of the two seeds lost, the Bills beat the Colts 27-24 in a thriller. That was a terrific game. And the Bills are moving forward. Uh, we also had the Saints who took care of the Bears 21-9. to Those two seeds are moving forward. But the three seeds who would have always had to play on Wild Card Weekend looked extremely vulnerable. The Seahawks fell to the Rams 30-20. to The Browns beat the heck out of the Pittsburgh Steelers 48-37. to And more upsets. The Ravens took care of the Titans in Tennessee 20-13. to and mm, Taylor Heineke keeping it close against the Bucks, 31-23. That ends up being a push if you care about the betting via betonline.ag. Uh, that was an eight-point game depending on when you got it over the course of the week. So our matchups are set. And it's going to be a fun divisional round. We'll get into all of that coming up this week. But we have to start with what was easily the biggest story of the weekend and after the you know the saturday we get the rams upset and you know taylor heineke comes out and, and plays this terrific game and you're thinking okay well these are the stories and you know sunday might be a little bit ho-hum and yet after the ravens win they win in a close game you get the saints that's a boring kind of honestly a terrible game and then you get to this just wild game no head coach. Cleveland comes out. They put the bang thing on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The craziest outcome, I think, of the weekend was the 48-37 drubbing, drubbing the Browns put on the Steelers without their head coach. Joining me now to break it down, Jeff Lloyd from Lockdown Browns. Jeff, what happened? Well, Peter, we talked during the week, and you know, I mentioned to you, you know, even with all these losses, um, the DNA of this franchise has changed. And look, that's now confirmed. Um, you know, the lovable yeah. losers that everybody used to like to crack the jokes on, this is over. You come into a game like this in a place where you've had this just history of horrors. 
Uh, the breaks obviously went their way. But look, Baker Mayfield played smooth, efficiently. They got the running backs involved, which it, it's been a long time since they've gotten both of those guys involved. Uh, they just came in here. They set the tone. There's just no way around it. Um, they showed up. They played for each other. They played with each other. Uh, you're talking about they started their fifth guard, Michael Dunn, by the way. Michael Dunn had a nice day up until he got hurt, so that put their sixth guard in. Kendall Lamb had to come in, play right tackle. Uh, T.J. Watt, an absolute non-factor in this game. Uh, as they said during the uh, you know the telecast, did you hear the name Stefan Tuot? Did you hear the name Cam Hayward? Uh, as much as you know, this game got a little bit closer at the end. Sure, but uh, you know, you get in a position like this where you get up this big, this early, you're just going to basically you know make stole them out, and that's what they did. They got it going again in the second half. Uh, the big screen pass to Nick Chubb, uh, Cody Parkey, who's had some up and downs over the last week, was clean with every kick he had today, including uh, his kickoffs. Just an amazing effort, and to think about the fact that you walked out of this with five turnovers. Uh, you were able to score and basically just get the momentum in your favor on the first offensive play of the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers on the bad snap. Uh, it, it, it's just got to be absolutely rocking in the city of Cleveland right now. Yeah, they go up 28 nothing. I mean, you mentioned the score not being as close as it appeared. It, this was not a game that was really ever in doubt some of the the questionable second half calls by Mike Tomlin, you know, to punt the ball, notwithstanding, uh, this is a, a, an offense that seemed to not miss Kevin Stefanski at all. Maybe that's a credit to Coach Stefanski, who was uh, unfortunately not able to be in the building. And look, you and I talked about this last week. You know, this is a team that has not been in the playoffs for 20 years almost. And it seemed like they were snake bit, that they were going to come into this game. You know, you, you're, you're down these guys from COVID. You don't have your head coach who's your play caller. He's the heartbeat of your team in a lot of ways. And yet everything that we saw on Sunday night says that Kevin Stefanski and whatever, you know, culture he's instilled here is it is instilled and, and it continues even without him. It, it's really remarkable. Well, look, what your goal is when you are, you know, starting a franchise is, is you want everything to be uniform from the top to the bottom and you want everybody to believe. And, you know, this is the expectations. This is what we expect of everybody. Um, and we've seen that kind of come for, to fruition this regular season. So, yeah, it seems crazy, you know, that they did this well without him. But if you put these plans in place and you have everybody on the same page, this is what you hope the end result would be. It doesn't always happen like this. I'm not. I'm not going to kid myself. <laughs> you, you've been around <laughs> following the ball like, as long. It, no, yeah. it doesn't normally work like this. But you get some breaks in your favor. You get the momentum going. And the one thing I did try to say this week was, it was probably an advantage that it was Pittsburgh in that you just played them. In right. the fact that you played them twice a year, so you weren't completely taken off guard. So, yes, maybe that practice time that you lost wasn't totally going to decimate you. Um, and it showed. Uh, you know, look, Jarvis Landry did his thing. Uh, they didn't have an answer for Austin Hooper. And, again, Baker, you know, all the talk this week had been about how quick Ben was getting rid of the ball. And I think it was almost like Baker said, you know what, I'm going to take that on to myself. Right. And maybe this is what I need to do to aid my team. And to just come in here play like this. Yes, it's Kansas City next week. Of course, it's going to be somebody difficult. You're getting to the you know the final four of the AFC playoffs. It's not going to be a gimme. 
Um, but for this team, what they did today, knowing that there's going to be more guys coming back into this door. Um, look, I'm not going to get myself all worked up for next week, but just knowing what they were able to do and come together in such a difficult time. Uh, I've tried to preach that I really think the future of this franchise has changed um, in a night like tonight certainly confirms it. No, no, let's get worked up. Let's look Let's look ahead to this Chiefs game. The Browns come in. They are eight-point underdogs via bet online. But when I look at this, and, and look, the Steelers have one of the best defenses in football. The Browns nearly hung 50 on them. The Chiefs defense is worse. And if you're going to put together a game plan for how you beat the Chiefs, it is run the ball, control the clock, make them be efficient, and create some turnovers. Well, hey, guess what? That's exactly what the Browns did in this football game. So uh, why not Cleveland? Look, there's the possibility. Um, and look, there's always the Patrick Mahomes storm. Um, can Kansas City handle Nick Chubb? You don't think Kareem Hunt in the back of his mind thinks there's a certain score he would oh, yeah. like to settle with this franchise, um, then look, you, you're going to get back Joel Batonio. We don't know about Jack Conklin. So either way, you should have four fifths of this offensive line. You're seeing Wyatt Teller get back to what earned him second team all pro this year. Denzel Ward should be back. Kevin Johnson, I'll be honest, after MJ Stewart's played tonight, I, I don't even know if Kevin Johnson, if he's healthy, might even suit up. But you're starting to get these guys back. Um, Andrew Sandeo, a guy who's getting beat up a lot this year. Didn't play a lot here. Other guys are getting experience. Sheldrick Redwine, big play, obviously, early in the game. Uh, you know, Carl Joseph just likes to come up 100 million miles an hour and hit people. Look, it's going to be the tallest of texts. We all know Kansas City is the elite, elite of the AFC. But look, for this franchise, this is where you start measuring yourself now. This is where you're headed. This is what you want to be. If you want to start talking Super Bowls, it involves beating teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. Are they here maybe a year early? Certainly could be the case. Um, I don't think anybody's turning away. Uh, I think they're going to embrace the opportunity. Uh, come Wednesday, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Hopefully they can get back to a normal schedule, start breaking in the film, finding some things that work for them. Uh, but this is you know, the opportunity, and this is what this team put in. I don't think they truly expected to be here this early. Again, I don't think so. But you, you cannot take away what this franchise has done in such a minimal amount of time, considering, you know, compared to past seasons in the NFL, the loss of OTAs, the loss of training camp, the loss of preseason games, they, they've just done a phenomenal job. Before we move on, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. The Browns are opening against the Kansas City Chiefs as eight-point underdogs. Maybe you like that. Maybe you saw the Browns in this game and go, hey, they can get some turnovers. They can control the clock. They can keep this thing close. Put some money where your mouth is at Bet Online and make it easy because right now, when you sign up, they'll give you a free account, nothing upfront to sign up. When you put money in, when you make a deposit at betonline.ag, use the promo code locked on and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. That means you put $10 in. $5 for you just for signing up. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus. 
off that first deposit. And betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wager. Subscribe to Locked on Bets brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. The L.A. Rams upset, went into Seattle and upset the Seattle Seahawks 30-20 to on Saturday in a game that was bizarre from the start. John Wolford, the backup, gets the start even though Jared Goff practiced all week. Then he gets hurt. Jared Goff has to come in and does just enough to get the Rams the upset win. Joining me now from Locked on Rams, Sosa Cremendous and Sosa This was a contest where the defense really carried the Rams, which is sort of fitting against a a Seahawks team that has, for most of the Russell Wilson era, been built on doing just that, having a defense that can lock you down in a quarterback that just doesn't beat himself. Yeah, that was absolutely the case in this one. Uh, And like you said, it was fitting, uh, fitting for the Rams as well because the defense has definitely been the strongest part of the team this season I don't think there's been any question about that um, and we've seen the best players all step up and have good games when it comes to you know guys like Aaron Donald Jalen Ramsey Darius Williams uh, the secondary as a whole really you know they played a tremendous game obviously the Seahawks never really got going on offense outside of one out of structure play from Russell Wilson where he found DK Metcalf for a long touchdown on what looked to be you know broken coverage but uh, I felt like the Rams played a very good game in this one. They played a clean offensive game. It wasn't many explosive plays or anything like that. But, um, you know, we came into this game thinking that if the Rams can put together a clean game and just not implode from that quarterback position and the defense, you know, showed up and did what they've done all season, that they were going to come out of this game with a really good shot to win. And that's exactly what happened. And I'm not surprised one bit by this result. I felt like through the first two games against the Seahawks, the Rams played very well, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Even dating back to the Jeff Fisher days, they've always had good game plans against the Seahawks offense, and, um, you know, they showed up in a big way. Yeah, the Rams were always the team that Seahawks fans, even in those peak Legion of Boom days, that Seahawks fans were like, oh, no, we got to play the Rams, even when the Rams weren't very good. Uh, Two big injuries that we have to to talk about because – The Rams are moving on. Uh, Aaron Donald leaves the game. Cooper Cup leaves the game late. Where are we with those guys? Because they were, as you you mentioned, huge. Cooper Cup, four catches for 78 yards and had that terrific play early in the game where he went up over Jamal Adams. And Aaron Donald was an absolute menace in this game, had two sacks and, and was in Russell Wilson's lap seemingly the entire game. Yeah, so the Rams seem to have gotten some good news pretty quickly yesterday. Uh, Cooper Cup, which, you know, he hurt his knee in a meaningless snap at the end of the game there, only has a knee contusion. And obviously there was a huge fear that it could have been something much worse, potentially a torn ACL. But uh, he's going to be listed, it sounds like, day to day. So he should be able to go in the divisional round of the playoffs. And we didn't get an update on defensive tackle Aaron Donald just yet. But he looked like he wanted to come back in yesterday in that game. Um, he has not missed a single game in his career thus far. And, uh, you know, this is a guy I just can't see missing a game. Uh, I think, uh, they're going to probably have to do something similar to, you know, a a quarterback's flak flak jacket, uh, in terms of just protecting those ribs, because that's what he hurt when Russell Wilson dropped on top of him on a near sack. So, uh, 
we don't have an update on Donald, but I suspect he's going to go. But, you know, there was really good news for the Rams in general. The quarterback John Wolford also was in the locker room post game out of the hospital, which was just a precautionary thing. And it sounds like he's also going to be listed day to day. So uh, what appeared to be, you know, quite a catastrophic day for injuries actually turned out to not be so bad. So as we look forward here and, and what the Rams can be in this NFC playoffs, Jared Goff doesn't light the world on fire, but still, you know, he averages over eight yards an attempt, has the touchdown, doesn't throw the backbreaking interception like he did in that second matchup against the Seahawks. And then Cam Akers, a bit of a revelation, 28 carries, a buck 31, and the touchdown averages almost five yards an attempt. Is this going to be enough in in the playoffs? I mean, can you rely so little on your quarterback and just say, okay, we're going to run the ball and we're going to trust this defense to make enough plays to get us there? It's going to be tough, and that's the million-dollar question for sure. You know, it's really going to depend on the quarterback status. I wonder if Jared Goff is going to be able to heal enough to the point where we get a 80 or 90% healthy Jared Goff in time for this next game because obviously that would be very important for the passing game. You've seen Jared Goff struggling to throw the most routine passes that we've seen all throughout mm-hmm. his career, simple digs. Uh, he was just very inaccurate, and you know you can't fault the guy for that. But you know that is definitely something that's going to hamstring the Rams in terms of their passing offense moving forward, so that's a huge concern. Uh, but I do think you know Cam Akers getting healthy and not really looking slowed down by the high ankle sprain that he suffered a few weeks ago is very important for this offense. They clearly are going to be an offense that wants to pound the rock. He's going to touch the ball a lot in terms of K-Makers rushing attempts. Um, and as long as they don't have those backbreaking interceptions, like you mentioned, that we've seen way too many times this season from Jared Goff or even his backup in terms of John Wolford, we've seen in week 17. He might go in this game. We don't know exactly what the plan is just yet. So, you know, as long as they can keep clean on offense, uh, keep pounding the ball, keep playing really solid defense. I think they're going to have a shot in every game they play. And I don't think anyone's going to wash them out in terms of a blowout. But, um, you know, it all really depends on the status at the quarterback position. And we just don't seem to be getting an answer. I guess we're going to have to kind of wait until next week to see whether Jared Goff is going to be the guy and he's going to be healthy enough to actually lead a passing attack that could be potent. Or, you know, if it's going to be John Wolford and he actually plays in this game and He has the stones to start in a divisional game and only his second start in his career. So a lot of question marks there. Definitely majority of them are on the offensive side of the ball. But I think as long as the Rams defense continues to show out, they're going to have a chance to win every game they're in. The Baltimore Ravens answered a lot of questions in a 20 to 13 win over the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Not only did Lamar Jackson and the Ravens win a playoff game, they did it coming from behind and now look like a dangerous team in the AFC. Joining me now, Kevin Ostreicher from Locked on Ravens. And Kevin, I think that quarterback part of it is crucial because we saw the Titans come back. They they fall down early and you're going, okay, this is not the game script that is most advantageous for them. And yet they showed they can come back. Was that the, the most important piece here in terms of what you took away from this win? Yeah, I think it's certainly a big part of it, Peter. A huge thing with this, as you mentioned, Tennessee goes up early, 10 nothing. They only scored three points for the rest of the game. This was a monumental effort by Baltimore's defense. The big storyline is obviously holding Derrick Henry to 2.2 yards per carry, 18 carries for 40 yards to be exact. But then on the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned it. Lamar Jackson, this team, it was a team that had never come back from down 10 with, with 
in, in a very long time. And for Lamar Jackson to get his first playoff win, to get that other chip off of his shoulder, although with Lamar Jackson, the chips that are on his shoulder are going to probably stay on there forever just because that's yeah. who he is. But <laughs> it must have felt so good. And, you know, there was dancing in the locker room. Marlon Humphrey does these Instagram lives after the game or after road games where on the plane he goes through and literally talks to almost every player on the roster. This team is so tight-knit. They fight for everyone. But in terms of the actual gameplay on the field, Lamar Jackson goes 17 of 24 for 179 yards, did throw that early interception. But for me, it was about how Lamar Jackson and this team bounced back again. Tennessee goes up 10-0. You start to see glimpses of the playoff game from 2020 where it's like, oh man, you know, that 2019-2020 season, historic rushing season for the Ravens offense. They go into Tennessee this season and they just beat the Titans at their own game. Usually when a team goes down big against Tennessee, the Ravens and the Titans both have those offenses, which is if you go down against them, they can bleed the clock. They can force your opposing defense to get tired, and that's the game script. But Baltimore fought and fought and fought. Lamar Jackson fought and fought and fought, and that is my biggest takeaway is that this team will not lie down, and this team will not take disrespect. As we saw, they ended up going and celebrating on that Titans logo, much like Tennessee did earlier in the season. <laughs> yeah, Marlon Humphrey coming for our jobs, Kevin. Um, one of the things that I that I thought was particularly crucial for Baltimore is they got down early, but they didn't get away from who they were, who they are. Lamar Jackson still had 16 rushes in this game, 136 yards, actually averaged more yards per rushing attempt than per passing attempt. And that kept them in it. I mean, had that that 48-yard touchdown that really ignited this run. To me, that is the thing that makes them so scary because they can create explosives in the run game. They don't have to do it in the passing game. Yeah, exactly, Peter. And a big part of that also is, you know, in terms of getting away from their scripts, I think we saw a prime example of that last season in the playoff game where Lamar Jackson drops back, I believe it was 70 times. He throws 59 passes. And the Ravens didn't make the playoffs that year because they were able to throw the football well. They did throw the football well in spots, but that was a historic rushing offense. Baltimore goes down early in this one, and what do they do? They keep running the football. They don't get away from who they are, as you mentioned. Lamar Jackson, it was a decently good game from him rushing. Obviously, the 8.5 yards from carry, the 136 yards rushing, and the touchdown. Those are all great numbers, but the Titans defense actually were able to stop him on multiple occasions. The zone reads they were doing really well on. They were able to keep it to a minimum on some of those plays that might have broken big if the Ravens were playing a different defense. But the Ravens being able to, again, force the run game a tiny, tiny bit. They weren't saying, all right, we're going to run 50 times a game and beat you that way because early in the game, the run game was going nowhere. So the Ravens opens up the middle of the field. They were able to throw some short out routes to guys like Patrick Ricard, who had a phenomenal game, three receptions for 26 yards and some pretty good catches, I'll say. As the fullback for the team, they got Mark Andrews out in the flat a bit. That was able to spread the field of Tennessee's defense. They had to start respecting those outs. And in turn, the Ravens were able to get some big rushes out of them. So the run game was able to pick up because Baltimore was able to spread Tennessee's defense out, which I think was huge in this one. When you look at what this team was able to do in in terms of they game plan to stop Derrick Henry, right? And they were able to do that. And then they were able to get... You know, the critical turnover late, they're able to A.J. Brown got his numbers. I mean, he had six catches for 83 yards and the score. But then the rest of that Tennessee passing game, I mean, it was a mess. They held Ryan Tannehill to 165 yards. If they're going to beat a team like the Buffalo Bills, this is the defense that has to show up for them. 
Yeah, it definitely is. Stopping Derrick Henry against Tennessee is huge. But now the task turns to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And with Josh Allen, the Ravens and Bills played last season. Baltimore got the better of Buffalo 24 to 17. And what was actually a really hard fought and close game. Josh Allen went 17 of 39 for 146 yards and one touchdown in that game. The key for them is definitely to just contain Josh Allen. We know how big of a threat Lamar Jackson is with his legs. Josh Allen is a threat with his legs as well. But the key is that Buffalo and Baltimore are much different teams than they were in 2019. Stephon Diggs is a matchup nightmare. He was rumored to potentially be going to Baltimore in a deal. The Ravens were certainly interested, but the Bills pulled the trigger. They they, uh, got rid of those draft picks to get him. And so far, that move is certainly paying off for Buffalo. Diggs is somebody called Beasley. The Bills offense has plenty of weapons, but the Ravens defense, again, They're getting healthy now. They had Jimmy Smith back for this one. Clayus Campbell is pretty much full health now. Brandon Williams. The Ravens defense is healthy. And if they can stop Derrick Henry, you know, they have a good shot at stopping Josh Allen and this Buffalo offense too. But they do have to put out a good game plan that ends up getting them a victory. Yeah, I can't wait to see this group of DBs. Baltimore has as talented a cornerback room as any team in football. And if so, if someone is going to slow down this offense, You have to think it's going to be a team like Baltimore. Kevin, thanks, man. Peter, it's a blast. Thank you so much. Before we finish up, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I just got a note on Instagram, in fact, the other day from someone who said, hey, you know, I I bought these things and I didn't know what to expect. And it turns out you're right. And not only did he love them, his wife loved them and you know, he he had a couple favorite flavors. The caramel brownie is a new flavor that you should check out. Uh, salted caramel, double double chocolate. They have so many great flavors. This is truly the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the best tasting protein bar, frankly, that's ever been made. Not hyperbole. That is true. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, yet low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. When you taste these things, Get some and taste them. You will not believe that they are not legitimate candy. They are delicious. And right now, because you listen to Locked On, when you go to BuiltBar.com, you use the promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code Locked On to get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The Washington football team may have fallen to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-23 on Saturday night, but the story coming out of that game, quarterback Taylor Heineke, he throws for 300 yards, a touchdown, rushes for another score, and was really sensational much of the night. Those numbers could have been even better if his receivers had given him a little bit of help. Joining me now from Locked On Washington football team, Chris Russell. And Chris, is there a future for Heineke in Washington now? Yeah. Hey, Peter, Uh, I think there is. I mean, he's a free agent, um, you know, because they they brought him in, quite honestly, as their emergency COVID quarterback. And for the first, you know, couple of weeks, they didn't have he he didn't really even practice like he was holed up in a hotel going through protocol. And then they were keeping him away from the team. And then he played in relief of Dwayne Haskins against Carolina a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, let a comeback and looked okay and. Uh, did some good things, and then obviously everybody got to see what he did on Saturday night. And you mentioned if his receivers helped him out, he had at least three drops, non-catches that, you know, that game could have been very different. 
Um, plus the touchdown run, as you mentioned. Now, he did, he did suffer an AC joint separation of his shoulder on that particular touchdown run. But here's how tough he was. Not only does he separate the shoulder on the dive and on the touchdown run, but then he gets knocked down a couple of times on the next series, first and third down. He's got to be basically scraped off the field right. by Morgan <laughs> Moses at the end of that series. Then we think, you know, we see Steven Montez kind of starting – to take some some warm up reps and 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 Heineke getting checked out and in a lot of pain, and then he still comes back for the next series and throws a dart of a touchdown pass to Steven Sims. So I mean, you know, like he gave you everything. Obviously, uh, only really one bad throw, and that was deflected at the line of scrimmage. Um, Taylor Heineke has absolutely entered the competition for the Washington football team starting job. Now the problem is, is there's going to be several guys in that mix. Yeah, this was what Terry McLaurin said after the game. I'd take number four on my team any day of the week, twice on Sundays. I hope we can be teammates in the future. That dude plays with no fear. He does everything you could ask of a quarterback in the league. I mean, how much do you take into consideration something like that, even though it is just one game? Oh, I, I mean, I, I think that means a lot more maybe in this organization than to Ron Rivera than for maybe sure. Other- yeah, because of Ron Rivera. I was I was exactly going to say that. And there's a couple of other guys, too. And when Terry says that, that means a lot. You know, I, this team is, um, you know, it's interesting, Peter, because the culture was so bad a year ago <laughs> when Ron took over, um, as everybody kind of knows and guesses. And they've been through hell and then some this year on and off the field. But you can really see the type of guys that they have, McLaurin, uh, Morgan Moses, uh, Brandon Sheriff, um, you know, obviously Alex Smith and everyone again knows that story and that comeback. Um, just guys that are special dudes on top of Chase Young, on top and Jonathan Allen, on top of good, really good players. So, like when you have the whole really good player thing, but then they're special guys and they're unselfish and they want to fight for their team and all that. So, you don't always get that with the most talented players, right? So, I'd always have a little less talent and more heart, more guts, more character. Uh, and it seems what you know, that's what this team has. So we'll see how it translates, obviously, against a first place schedule. Yeah. And, and you know, this this sets up interestingly for this offseason because Alex Smith is twenty four and a half million on the cap in twenty twenty one. Yeah. And so yes, if you yeah. have like Taylor Heineke probably has not done enough to say, hey, I'm the starter now. So how does Washington what do you think the best situation is in terms of someone they could maybe bring in and say, OK, this is the best three-room quarterback group that we can Mm -hmm. put together here. Yeah, so, you know, Heineke, obviously, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, getting Heineke back under contract on a, you know, on a, a, you know, future deal type thing, um, getting Kyle Allen back on an exclusive rights free agent Mm. deal, even though he was banged up a lot uh, this year. um, He's very familiar with this system. And I would say the best thing for Washington now, maybe some people in the building would disagree with me, is if Alex Smith were to retire, um, just from the standpoint, they would still incur a dead cap money hit of like $10.5 million, and they could spread that out over two years. But you know, I, I think Alex proved to the world what he's all about. I, I know he still wants to play, ideally. I know he wants to pursue a Super Bowl. And maybe this is callous of me, but I, I, I don't know if, if it's going to happen here in Washington with Alex. 
Um, you know, and at tw- again, if we were talking about a much lower salary, I would say absolutely he would be in the mix. But I mean, they are in a tough situation, even though they have plenty of cap room, right? You know, to have all of these guys and to not necessarily be sure if you have your guy, your franchise guy, it is difficult to pay all this money plus draft somebody in the first or second round, which I still think they'll do, Peter, and pay $30 million under the cap and again, not have the guy because no matter what happens with Alex, he's not the guy moving forward. I want to thank Chris and everyone who helped make this super wild card show possible. Always great to talk to all of those guys. Of course, on our Monday show, we bring you the biggest stories with your local experts. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast network on Twitter, at Locked on NFL Pods. Check out Locked on Packers if you want to check that out. Of course, we have our own uh, big game coming up this week. Packers, Rams, Social Comendous, who you heard earlier in the show, of course, will help us break that down this week as well. And a lot more to get to. Ross Jackson and Luke Braun in here tomorrow to look forward to all of these terrific playoff matchups. So a lot more here on Locked on NFL coming up this week, which means you always have to stay Locked on NFL.